on your phone and you will have some explanation of where the rain has come from. Right? There's a, a low pressure system. There's moisture coming in from here. There's all these different dynamics that we can observe in what God has created where the rain comes. Yet scripture is telling us there's another cause working simultaneously alongside of that where God is at work in his world constantly sustaining things and working things so that he preserves his creation. You see that there, there's other passages. One of the difficulties of preparing this talk is literally, as you go through the pages of Scripture, there's page after page after page evidencing and referencing God's providential care in this way. You see it in nature, you see it with animals, but you also see it in bigger, broader strokes of what's happening throughout history in the interaction of, of nations and leaders and governments. Job, the book of Job, chapter 12, he says this. He, speaking of the Lord, makes nations great and destroys them. He enlarges nations and disperses them. He deprives the leaders of the earth of their reason. He makes them wander in a trackless waste. They grope in darkness with no light. He makes them stagger like drunkards. When you look at the events of history, what the scriptures tell us is that as we think of this in terms of simultaneous action, these leaders or their, their, um, their counselors are giving them you know, wisdom from their perspective. They're making their decisions. We can think of it in contemporary events with the invasion of Ukraine and all these other things. We can look at that and say, well, God, Putin is making his choice. He is acting in a particular way because... He is making a particular choice, yet the world is not subject to the dictates of people like that. They operate in a certain way, but God is sovereign and majestic enough, it's not even the right word to say, that he's ruling and overruling in all of that, even in the wicked decisions of men, to bring about his predetermined purposes. And he's not responsible for the evil. They are acting by their own free choice, but God in his primary cause has another. And this is one of those things, you're getting a little bit into where we were with the doctrine of the Trinity, where you're like, how does this work? And if you're saying, how does this work? You're going to continue to be there because we're not God. And we don't function as he does. But if we're going to do justice to the doctrine of, of, of divine providence, we need to see it for what it is. But forget the big broad strokes. You know, if you're like, but what about me? I'm not a leader of a nation. No one's going to elect me to anything. I have a hard enough time with my, my pets or my children following me. What about, what about my life? And the reality is, as we continue to read through Scripture, is this filters down not only to the big broad movements of history, but to every aspect, even the most random or insignificant elements of our lives. That every aspect of our life, no matter how random or insignificant it may seem, is included in this idea of God coming alongside creation and through our choices and through the events of our day and the things, genuine choices that we make, bringing about his predetermined purposes. So, Proverbs chapter 16 Verse 9, 
In their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. Or if you skip down to verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap. What does it mean, the lot? It's like rolling dice, right? Rolling dice. But it's every decision is from the Lord. This is, these are like little tiny things. Or even you may think, well, I, I have my, my course of my life that I'm setting and I'm making decisions. And yes, you are. But God is also at work in this world. Even alongside your decisions, through your decisions, bringing about his predetermined purposes. And it's this dynamic of God's control, if you will, and our choice that tends to lead to this tension when we come to contemplate this whole idea of providence. Because we like to think we're in control. And in some sense, you have choice. But it is God who is ultimately in control. He actively sustains all of creation, so you wouldn't even have the opportunity to make a choice were God not actively sustaining your life. He actively sustains all of creation and directs it all to come to pass according to his predetermined purposes. He does this working alongside creation so it functions normally as we see it. And even in the most mundane functioning, he's accomplishing his purposes and through the miraculous as he raised Jesus from the grave. And he is never responsible. And this is where that tension comes in in terms of our choice. God is never responsible for any sin or evil, even though he ordains it as part of his plan. That's hard. If we really believe God is in control of all things, then we have to accept the biblical testimony that even the hard, difficult, gut-wrenching tragedies that come into life are under his control. And that's a clear reality that we see worked out through the pages of Scripture, that God is seen accomplishing his good purposes, even using the evil choices of others to do so. Now, with the time that we have, I want us just to consider, if you recall, the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. Now, think through some of the things you might know about the life of Joseph in the Old Testament. And when we think of God's providence, even when we were talking just a moment ago about, hey, I make the choices in my life. Oh, really? Did any of us choose where we were born? Who our parents were? The time in which we were born? All of these things. There's so many things that are out of our control. But think of this family. Talk about family dysfunction. Right? You have a, a father who favors a son so much so that it leads to dysfunction within the family, hatred, so that they determine, hey, let's get rid of our brother by selling him. First, they wanted to kill him, leave him to die. And then they were going to sell him into slavery. He gets sold into slavery. It seems like he's on the upswing when he gets the head of his master's house, Potiphar's house. But he is wrongly accused by Potiphar's wife. He's imprisoned. But while he's in prison, it becomes apparent that God is with him. 
He's able to interpret dreams. He's able by God's providence to be able to reveal that a famine is coming and how to prepare for that famine. He rises to, to power in Egypt as a result. When the famine comes, his brothers come and he's able to save the family. And when he reveals himself to them, they're like, uh-oh. And we come to this passage and notice the perspective that comes out of it as we read it. This is Genesis chapter 45, beginning at verse 3. Joseph said to his brothers, come close to me. And when they had done so, he said, I am your brother Joseph, the one you sold. So get their responsibility, their choice. It's a real choice. The one you sold into Egypt. And now do not be distressed and do not be angry with yourselves for selling me here. Because it was to save lives that God sent me ahead of you. Wait a minute, who did what? Did they do it or did God do it? Yes. <laughs> they both did it for different reasons. One primary, one secondary, but their choice was real. It had real life implications. And look as he goes in. For two years now, there has been famine in the land. And for the next five years, there will be no plowing and reaping. But God sent me ahead of you. Again, why? He had a purpose. To preserve you for a remnant on earth and to save your lives by great deliverance. So then it was not you who sent me here. What's he saying? He's looking to the bigger level. But God he made me father to Pharaoh, lord of his entire household, and ruler of all Egypt. <clears throat> so note some things here. His brothers committed this evil act of selling him into slavery. But Joseph also saw God working alongside their evil choice, accomplishing his good purpose. He goes on at the end of Genesis and says, What you intended for evil... God intended for good. Now again, I said earlier, you may be asking how all this works. An excellent question to which any good theologian, including this one, though he says it more fancy than I will say it right now, would say, I don't know exactly. But we, can, we cannot do justice to what we find in the Bible without affirming these two things. We make real choices for which we are responsible before God we make real choices and God is working alongside all of creation including our choices to bring about his predetermined purposes so there are some important things for us to consider and take from this I just want to kind of leave us with some final thoughts and encouragement as chaotic as the world seems at times big world, your world. It is never out of God's control. God is not responding to circumstances on the fly, shaping his plan around what happens, what we see happening around us, the good, the bad, the ugly, whether it's in our health, in our relationships, in the world, in our finances, whatever it may be. The bad is genuinely bad. We cannot say that our evil choices that God worked out for good are good. 
what you intended for evil was evil, but we have a providential God who meant it for good. What is ordained by him for good? We may never know what that good is. But we can know and have confidence based on how we've seen him act in our own lives through the pages of scripture then we might have faith then we might cling to him nothing is random nothing is outside of his influence his directive influence that does not mean that you and I should be fatalistic and conclude that it does not matter what we do may that never be. Don't walk out of the room tonight thinking because God is working everything towards his predetermined purposes and that will happen no matter what I do. Our choices actually do matter. (laughs) Because remember, God is working alongside those and we cannot fully comprehend how God's providence works. So can we be humble and rejoice and say, even in my failures and my mess-ups, I serve a God who's big enough that he's accomplishing his his purposes even through that. But it's not an excuse for me to say, well, I'm just going to be a mess-up. My choices matter. They are real. God's plan and purposes include our real choices. Making an impact on events, sometimes massively so. And this also means that our prayers matter. God has ordained in his plan that our prayers are a means to his end. Our prayers are a part of God's big overall eternal plan from creation to the day of judgment. Our prayers are a part of that plan. (laughs) And they have been. And so as we respond and make choices around what God says we should be doing, we are working and acting in a way that is significant. So rather than this being an excuse to resign ourselves to fate and say, it doesn't matter what I do, God's providence, this is what's led me to do this week. I want you to know this is one of those doctrines that just makes my head do this. But it also makes my heart grapple with it because it's hard and it's hard to live according to it with integrity. And it has led me to consider how my actions, our actions, to consider them with a greater sense of perspective. Not that it doesn't matter, but to think that my choices are a part of God's providential plan for all of eternity, for his purposes and for his glory. What I do matters. You matter. Your life and your choices have real significance. That's what God's providence says. It's not dependent upon us. It's not up to us. It's up to him. But he works through us. Our choices matter. You don't need to be a slave to fear. But rather have full confidence that God is in control come what may. So the doctrine of God's providence means that even difficulty and trial and tragedy cannot thwart God's purposes. So let's just close with these last few thoughts. Familiar verses, maybe they'll land on our hearts and our minds slightly differently. 
And we know that in all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. For those God foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brothers and sisters. And those he predestined, he also called. Those he called, he also justified. Those he justified, he also glorified. How can he say all that? Because God works all things towards his predetermined purposes. That's why he can say that with confidence. And that's why he can say neither height nor depth nor depth, all these things. None of these things can separate us from the love of God. We're more than conquerors because we have a providential God who works in the way we've described tonight. And so let's just pray. Now, Father, we ask you that as we come to this, uh, this doctrine, which in some ways is so beyond our grasp, to articulate, to grapple with. But Lord, I think, I hope there's been some sense sown tonight that without it, we are adrift. That without your providence, we would cease to exist. Without your providence, we have no sense of confidence and hope We thank you, Father, that as we think about this doctrine that some of us are quite possibly facing very difficult circumstances that no one else in this room may even know about. Things that wear us. Things that leave us with a soul that feels very dry and parched and fearful. Lord, would you refresh us tonight and rekindle in us tonight um, through this doctrine because every doctrine we talk about is not an end in itself. It is a reflection of you. It is an understanding of who you are. And one thing we didn't really emphasize as well tonight as we should have is that we are objects of your providential love. And so, Lord, I pray that these things would encourage us greatly and spur us to live with a sense of significance and trust and hope that you are working all things according to your predetermined purposes for your glory and for our good as you mold and shape us into the image of your Son. We thank you and praise you in his name. Amen. Sam's going to come and lead us now in another song, and uh, let's stand together and sing. Let's turn some of those amazing truths uh, into song to proclaim them. In the verses, this uh, song, proclaim them, even if we can't get our heads around them totally, proclaim uh, what God's word says. And then in the chorus, we respond by uh, saying that we trust God. Uh, We can trust him.